0: Scott show, it is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We continue our Super Bowl week conversations with individuals who played in at least one Super Bowl, some of them more than one. Our next guest played in one, one of the more memorable Super Bowls of all time. Uh, We put a, you know, Jake DeLomar guest now, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, Louisiana Rage Cajun Hall of Famer. We put a a poll up, uh, I guess not a poll, I guess put a question up on the station Facebook page, Jake, on Monday about when you hear the word Super Bowl, what do you think of? And uh, there were a lot of comments and quite a few of them on our uh, station page in the comment section referenced uh, Jake DeLome and the Panthers and the close Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. But it's one that comes to their mind when they hear the word Super Bowl. I guess that's where I'll start, Jake, like when... When we get to Super Bowl week each year and...
1: Well, I mean, that's probably the one that I think about the most. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, you know, it's certainly I go back to it and um, just think about what these guys have, have been going through the last um, really week, week and a half leading up to this game. Um, just dealing with everything, the, the amount of media um, that is present when... <laughs> You, you you win the championship game to go to the super bowl you cannot under uh, understand uh the demands that will be on your time and just how big it is and i think that's something that they try to prepare you for but it's just something that you just you don't understand now i'm assuming things are very different with uh, with covid so it'll be more zoom and things of that nature but you just could sense it um in the locker room even the first round of the playoffs then the divisional round, and then the championship round, and it would just kind of get bigger and bigger, Um, and, you know, agents, my agents did a great job of just kind of preparing us and my family. Um, I'll never forget when we, um, the second round of the playoffs, we beat St. Louis in St. Louis, and after the game, uh, it was a Saturday, and we're talking by the buses, and a couple of the the agents, that were more in the marketing department, and I became good friends with them, and They just kind of mentioned, um, they said, now listen, and my mom and dad were there, my brother, I think my father-in-law, and they said, if they win next week, which would have been the championship game, your hometown will see media like they've never seen before. Uh, They had just gone through this a couple of years prior with Kurt Warner and the magical run because they had represented him. And sure enough, we beat Philadelphia the following week and, I'm oblivious to all this, and we fly back to Charlotte late that night and, you know, drive home at 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever it may be, and just the fans are waiting out there, and that's great. And I know the next morning I got a phone call, uh, probably my dad and my brother, one of them. The satellite trucks were parked up and down <laughs> in front of my parents' house uh, just waiting for interviews, and that's just the way it is. It's, just, it's, um, it's an intense, crazy, fun week.
0: Yeah, Mulots, they, they never, you know, I mean, they've it's been on, like, tourist shows before, but they never had, like, ESPN cameras everywhere before. But a lot of cameras um, were all over Brobridge that week and in the weeks leading up to the game. And, you know, you've talked about it a lot, just sort of trying to zone in and focus. So I'm going to kind of shift gears, Jake, kind of in and out of your experience versus, I guess, what the guys right now are going through. Last year, Tampa got to host the game. It had never been done before. It was COVID, so, you know, the crowd wasn't packed. But I, I felt like it was just a big advantage in terms of routine. And I know there are going to be, a you know, a lot of fans at the one this year. But it's SoFi Stadium. It's the Rams. I mean, they were having to go to, you know, silent audibles at home in the playoffs against the Niners because... There were too many away fans. It's not like a traditional, boy, you go there and the Rams fans are on top of you. I'm not trying to knock them. That's just reality. But where I think it's a, it's a, I guess, a, an advantage for them is not having the rigmarole of traveling and getting on a flight and, and all this other stuff. Like, how big of an advantage do you think it is for the Rams? Or I guess just a list of advantages, being able to play at home. I know technically they're the road team in the game, but for a team to get to play at home, in the Super Bowl, I think most times fans just think about home crowd, but what are the other football advantages to it, Jake?
1: Well, I think the thing, the question that, I, that I'm not even sure of the answer is, uh, are the Rams staying at home the course of the week, or are they going to go into the, the designated team hotel, be it tonight or tomorrow, whatever day it may be, or Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it may be? I, I, I can't answer that, and I don't know uh, that answer to that question. Um, because that to me would be a a big advantage to be able to stay in your, your own home for the course of the week. And um, so I'm not even exactly sure how that's going to work out. Now they will, they won't be in their home locker room for the game because they are the visiting team. Uh, No, I think they are because I think the both locker rooms at that stadium are very well set up because the chargers have their own home locker and the Rams have their, their other. So it's a, um, it's gotta be an advantage, uh, crowd advantage. I'm not so sure because the Super Bowl is so corporate. Um, so
0: plus it's yeah, the Rams. They, they,
1: it will be somewhat of an advantage. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like a true home field advantage in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you played in one, I've, I've been to one, uh, there's a corporate feel to it. I think in LA in general, there's, there's a corporate field of games too, and, Couple that with the Super Bowl, but, you know, getting back to, to when you played in the game, you, you've you often talked about the biggest thing that, one of the biggest things that your coach, John Fox, did that was such a, a key in your mind to getting you guys prepared was maybe at, what, was it the night before the game? Just all you guys got on a bus, didn't know where you were going, and just went outside of Houston, a different hotel, like, all the distractions, is that, is that something that, by your estimation, is normal, or was that kind of like a a John Fox one-time deal type of thing?
1: No, I believe uh, a lot of teams would switch hotels the night before the game or go to another one. I, I think that's what we were told. But I enjoy us doing that just because it just, I don't know, it felt like, one, going into the game, it was a uh, – us-against-the-world type of mentality. We were, I think, double-digit underdogs heading into the game against the Patriots uh, with that bonnet defense that they had. And so we just kind of got away, and it just kind of even felt more so, I think, to us, that we're out in the middle of nowhere, nobody expected us, you know, playing of that whole routine um and it worked cuz we came out and we battled and it just uh unfortunately just uh we felt like we were, we ran out of time.
0: Uh ESPN and He had best ticket in sports. So of all the games you played, is there is there one you think about more than the Super Bowl? Is there a win or is there a moment, college pro whatever, is that the one you think about more than any other?
1: No, I can promise you I don't know. I I think and it's probably a detriment to me. Um, I probably think about plays I wish I could have made or should have made in games that we lost. I think that's kind of where a lot of my memories, um, if I do think about certain things, don't get me wrong, you think about all the good times and whenever you see um, guys and whatnot, or, or when I'm preparing for a Panther game this past year doing the radio and um, we're playing someone and you remember, oh, yeah, I remember when we played them in this year and how great of a win that was or even if it was a bad game. I, I, I reminisced those, too. So, but, yeah, the Super Bowl, was it, it really was a great time. And I know especially for me, um, we're so close to Houston and there were so many people. I was lucky enough to purchase a bunch of tickets, and I, I got a bunch at face value, shockingly so at that time. Um and that was great because I was able to, you know, get a lot of family and, and some friends to be able to go to that game because, one, it was so close. And I had a ton of family and friends in the Houston area that were accommodating um, to, to everyone. So it just kind of made it like a somewhat of a big party, I guess you could say, for them. Um, and, um, yeah, it was a magical time, fun time.
0: ESPN Lafayette, when you get there, I mean, it's your first season in Carolina. Uh, you take over halftime of the opening game of the season, and the season ends in the Super Bowl. You come up just short, three-point loss. Do you uh, – players often say, like, they maybe they think they're going to go back or they think it's going to happen again. I mean, you were you were still earlier in your career, Jake. You've always struck me as a guy that has some wisdom about you, though. Was there a feeling like, man, that we, we might have just missed out on this? Like, you, you just don't Never.
1: Know never ever did it cross my mind that we wouldn't be back.
0: Okay.
1: Because here I am, I think I was twenty eight at the time. I had just turned twenty eight. And but I, I felt young in football terms because I hadn't I hadn't played. It was my seventh year but I hadn't played. And Steve Smith was third year, just coming into his own. Uh, Deshaun Foster was our backup running back, kind of split time with Steven Davis. He was in year two uh julius peppers was a baby chris jenkins was a baby i mean dan morgan was still young will witherspoon musim muhammad was in year eight or nine and we just kind of felt like we're just scratching the surface uh jordan gross was our 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 right tackle who ended up moving to left after that year and just a mainstay and jeff mitchell was our center year seven so you just kind of felt that we're going to be back Uh, we're just scratching the surface and you know the next year we lose a couple of guys to retirement multiple guys to free agency and just injury after injury the following year we start out 1 and 7 we scratch and claw and almost make the playoffs and then 05 we go back to the championship game and we lose to Seattle and i mean i was shocked we made it that far cuz yeah we were a solid team but we in my opinion we were nothing like the super bowl team we just kind of found a way to get to seattle and um uh, got run over by them deservedly so they were just a better team uh but you just keep chasing and it's hard and I was listening to someone I think last week or two weeks ago on on NFL radio and um they were talking about the the whole Dan Marino Super Bowl experience when he got there at such a young age there was no doubt in anybody's mind that he would have been back multiple times and he never came close because it's it's just difficult it's so hard and And that's where you have a team like Kansas City that four championship games in a row, um, one of them, uh, I think Chris Jones jumps off sides. If he doesn't jump off sides then New England doesn't make it and and, and they're in the Super Bowl and and this year, I mean, if they don't get greedy before the half and just take the field goal, I just don't think that gives a boost to to Cincinnati. And And I think Kansas City wins that game.
0: Yeah, D. Ford was uh, the guy who went off sides in that there game. There you go, there you go. You know, I, I, it's uh, Jake DeLomar guest, ESPN Lafayette. I say this, it's like they I, they got too cute. And, and it's kind of like that's how they always are. And I don't I don't even mean that in a derogatory sense. Like, everyone loves it when it works, right? And they do it when they're winning. Nah, it but, works because of the quarterback. Right, right, be, because of <laughs> that, Patrick Mahomes. That's why it
1: works. It works right. because... Mahomes is a stud. Yeah, that's but, why those plays worked. As they, the just
0: when he wasn't the quarterback, it's almost like you, they're up the way they had played in the first half. It's like just take the three or throw it in the end zone. Like don't get don't get too cute. No one would have ever guessed that they were going to score three points there like the entire second half. But you you just you never know. I I always say that you know I mean. We cover the Saints, obviously, down here. They've been close a few times. We know how it's happened, and they're sort of not getting back. But I always say, like, oh, fans will be like, oh, that's all right. That's all right, This is coming back. I'm like, you have no idea. Like, every team, you can look on paper what you have coming back, but every locker room each year is different. Every team takes on a different identity. And this idea that, like, oh, well, Joe Burrow's young, and the Bengals, and the future's so bright. You know what? He might go back to more, or this could be it this might be the only one you just, when you get there, man, I mean, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is only, you know, played in one and, and Drew Brees only went to one. And um, it's, I don't know, man. I, I know the mindset of a player. There's that competitor in you. Like you said, you thought for sure you'd be back. I just, I don't, I can't bank on any team ever getting back because the, you have to be great. You have to have some, you know, the ball bounce your way. You have to have a little bit of luck. It's, it's so many things that have to happen for you to win it all. And, it's hard, man. I mean, I, I that was it. The next what year, Jake? Was it the next year you guys had a, a lot of injuries, and then and then you, yeah. you finished really, really strong at the end of the year, and you started playing good. It's like the injury bug too. You just, you just never know, man.
1: No, you just don't know. It was our following year. We started out one and seven. Um, you lose Steve Smith uh, at that point. Really, the one of the most dynamic players in the game uh, in the third qu- <coughs> quarter of the first game then you lose Steven Davis, you lose Deshaun Foster. Um, we had four out of five offensive linemen uh, that were uh, gone. You lose Chris Jenkins, you lose Dan Morgan. We were just, we were a different football team. We weren't the same football team, and it took us a while to kind of establish who we were, what we were. Uh, we changed up our to- our whole approach and on offense, and we had to kind of redefine ourselves. Um, but I-, I truly believe finishing up so strong the way we did, that enabled us the following year to, Kind of kickstart us and, and get going, and we were able to make the championship game that following year.
0: Yeah, there were. um I think you guys, what y'all won in, in New York, beat the Giants on the road and went to. Yeah, then we went and...
1: to Chicago and we upset. I believe they were the number one seed with that great defense, and we were able to beat them pretty good there. So,
0: I mean, you had some um, big yeah, road wins. Those are
1: dude. good memories. Golly. You're yeah. bringing up memories. Those are great memories. Now. There you I go. Bet you what
0: you you brought up the one in '03. Um, you know, everybody thinks about the Super Bowl, obviously, and maybe the championship uh, game win at Philly, I, I'm like, I I think about that win against the Rams, you know, Mike Martz's team, y'all get them in double overtime. And when it comes to the overtime rules, the fact that it got to double overtime back when it was sudden death, like, I, I know the rules have changed somewhat, you know, over the last, what, 18 years or so. But I don't, I don't know that. Well, I, well, I say that now they're only 10 minute overtime periods, So perhaps there will be a game that gets the double OT, but how do you feel about the, the current overtime rule, Jake? And do you feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's changing after what happened in the bills chiefs game, or are we kind of, you know, I, everyone's kind of on this, this constant search for the perfect way to have overtime. And I just don't think it exists. I don't think there's a way to do it. So what are yeah. your thoughts on it?
1: I- I don't think – I'm like you. I don't think it really and truly exists, to be quite honest. Um, my thing is this. So, we go to 17 games now. And, and look, I don't have the answers at all. But if we go to 17 games. They want to talk about uh, health and player safety. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's the almighty dollar. Okay, so we're at 17 games. So, if we're going to talk about health and safety, then let's not – I mean, let's do overtime during the regular season how it is right now. Keep the the same rules how it is right now, okay, where open and possession, if you get the football, you go down to score a touchdown, um, game's over. If it's a field goal, the other team has an opportunity, boom. Once you get to the playoffs, and, like, this is do or die. This is what it's about. You make it a 15-minute overtime period, and whoever's winning at that end of that first overtime is the winner, and then if it would happen to go to double overtime, which has I don't even know, I get probably kind of on one hand, a game having to go to double overtime. If it happens to go to double overtime, it's the first to score. And it's not a, you, at the end of the, the first overtime, if it's not, if it's still tied, there's no coin flip or, or things like that. You just continue where you're at. That's what we did um, when we played St. Louis. It's the first overtime. It went back and forth. Nobody could do anything. We had to switch sides of the field. First play of double overtime, we score. I I don't know any other way, but I'm just trying to think. We talk about health and and player safety. Um, So keep it a certain way in in the regular season. But when you get to the postseason, everything's on the table. All the gloves are off. Let's let's try that. Whether or not that works or or people like that, I don't know, but – you're just trying to think what's okay, how, what's fair. You Everybody's going to get the ball at some point in overtime.
0: You know, you're, you're, Jay Walker's probably going to like this because you're kind of saying something he, he was suggesting to me a few weeks ago, and I didn't agree with him, but you'd be able to speak to this better than most because you played in a double overtime playoff game. My, my thing, I guess my concern would be if you play in a, in, a, in a playoff game and it goes – a whole extra quarter. And then, you know, in the playoffs, sometimes Jake, let's say it's the Monday night game. I mean, you could be coming off six days rest. Like how much does that impact the body? Because you guys were able to, I, to get over it and, and win the next week on the road. Like, is that, is that extra quarter maybe in terms of like fatigue? Am I overplaying that a little bit?
1: Listen, I think, it's, I think it can be, but I just believe in the playoffs, when you get moving, when, when, it's a blur you're you're on straight adrenaline that's what that playoff season is like you're on straight adrenaline look at the 49ers this year the last game of the season um they, they went to overtime with the rams correct yeah and they went almost toward the end uh-huh. then they had to tr- travel and win then they have to travel again and win and let's be honest if Joukowsky-Tart catches the easiest interception you're ever going to see in your life, oh, they're in the Super Bowl. It's yeah. not the Rams. It's Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners in the Super Bowl, and this guy just catches uh, the, the, uh, the pass on the middle of the field.
0: yeah. So, I
1: mean, I mean did that affect them? Obviously not. That
0: was, uh, you know, the the Saints half times for like I don't know how many years, Jake. Back since you were like, you know, playing at Turlings. They do the cash catch, and they have like a fan that wins something, and they they catch things from the jugs machine that are like punts. Like I, that, that tart that was just like a cash catch. Like that was. He's a professional. I mean, he is not going to get a, an easier opportunity to pick off a pass. And I know it, it's tough because there are a lot of plays in a game. It's not one, but I'm with you. If he picks that thing off in terms of momentum, I mean, I have listeners say, oh, you know, you can't say that. Look, I, I can't prove one way or the other, but I firmly believe that the Niners would have won that game if he just catches that thing.
1: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, but the only difference between the cast catch is that, this person is trying to catch it for cash. This guy's getting paid cash. He's he, already getting oh,
0: paid. That's right. That's he's right. already
1: getting paid. So, but I, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, the, the game's over with in my mind. And and you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo playing in his second Super Bowl in the matter of three years, and the questions would be asked about Matthew Stafford. Cannot you know? Can he not take a team to the Super Bowl and things like that? So, just kind of crazy how one moment in uh, in a game can. Uh, truly yeah. the whole narrative
0: it, it it really does and and people sometimes someone will complain Eli Manning well if, if that pick if that interception he had thrown isn't dropped you know he's not winning this or that I'm like you could say if 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 but it it was and it impacts i mean well, you can exactly. look at exactly
1: if the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> against Joe Montana um in the second Super Bowl they played against each other right before John Stallworth's touchdown catch John Taylor. I can't remember the defensive back for Cincinnati but if he catches the pick yeah. the game's over over Cincinnati's yeah so i mean
0: Instead, it's Cool Joe, man. It's like, you know, and and I know he's I know he's your friend, and I'm not trying to knock him. And I remember in 2011, he had a, a great year with the Saints. But a lot of people feel like John Casey and and the kick out of bounds impacted the game. I I when I think about the Super Bowl you played in, Jake, I think often just about. That two point conversion, man, you miss it early, and then they get it, and you're kind of chasing those points. I still think it was the right call in the time; it just didn't work. But in my mind, I'm I'm watching a game. As soon as there's a two point conversion made or missed, I'm constantly playing catch up in my mind, right? Or in this, or maybe you have a PAT miss. Like Trent Taylor, that's a kid, you know, great player. At Evangel Christian played at La Tech. He got that two point conversion for the Bengals. Probably the most overlooked part of that win. Uh, a week and a half ago was was that play, man. I, I think about that missed two point conversion for you guys. I think Kevin Falk ended up getting one for the Patriots later, and it ends up being you know a three point swing right there.
1: No, there's no doubt, and I think we had we went a couple of times for two points, and and that was not something that we particularly carried in a game. And the one that New England did, that was the direct snap to Kevin from the shotgun where Tom makes as if the snaps over his head. Um, but yeah, and it's just uh, you chase points and and like there's nothing that I despise more than chasing points. I just, I can't stand it. I hate it. Uh, The whole analytical world we're now going into and oh the odds say that's, it's such a crock. Like the odds say what? That your left tackle is know computers telling you how good he's playing. What if he's getting his behind with that day? Right. Like It's just, I think it's such a crock. Like, like Brandon Staley, what they've done with the, in my opinion, with the charges this year, it's pretty ridiculous. Like always going forward and then defending it after and saying if 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 you don't believe that, then you don't know football. Well, obviously, I don't know anything about it because you just lost to the Chiefs at home, cost your team not going to the playoffs because you went for it like five times. Like, w- w- what are you doing? It's you okay
0: take, to kick a field goal sometimes. Like, it's okay. Yeah, like
1: it's, I, I, it's I'm, I'm. Po- it's points, man. Points are at a point. Pre- this is not college or high school, this is the NFL. Points are a premium in the NFL.
0: Jake DeLomar, guess. I, I always say when it comes to analytics, and, and they didn't use the word analytics back when this first started, but when the, when the two-point conversion came back to the NFL, because for a while it went away. I think it came back in maybe 98, 97 or 98. I remember all the coaches having their, their little sheet, and they would look at it all right, do I go for two here or not? And it would put down, you know, I mean, look, you played for Jim Haslett. He had one of these things. And it always, I mean, look, I, I don't know as much as you are the coaches, and I, I'm not pretending to. My argument has always been, look, I think analytics are good to a point, but you can't, you cannot on a sheet of paper or a computer factor in feel for the game. It's something that, you know, I know he's at Florida now, but Billy Napier, I would I would ask him about it. I'm like, the the feel of the moment you brought up you know your left tackle can a, can analytics prove if he's getting his butt kicked that day the feel of the game like to totally ignore that part of it analytics would suggest that's a good thing oh you're taking emotion out of it I'm like that's not a like there's emotion is not always a bad thing and it's and, and just to to call it emotion instead of sort of feel and understanding and like the moment in time of the game and momentum and all these things that somebody like you that played for over a decade and coaches that coached for so long, taking all of that away and claiming, well, it's, it's, it's clouding your judgment in this. I don't look analytics are good, but I think there's a fine line and, and it, for a while guys were, I think a lot of teams were maybe hesitant to go there. And now, Jake, it seems like a lot of teams have kind of gone overboard with it, like too far.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of – I understand Yes, you want to be aggressive and things of that nature. And and listen, I have been out of the NFL preparation-wise for a game for over a decade now. So to say, you know, here's this evidence, I just – I think feel goes along with it sometimes. I just – you know – what is your center doing? How was your right guard playing that day? Did they do something different? You know, Kevin Donnelly played 13 years. He was um, a, one of my guards in Carolina and I'm still close with him. And he did the sideline reporting um, the past, the last month and a half of the season uh, for the Panthers, because our sideline reporter, uh, she went on, she had a, a maternity. She had a child. So, we would, night before the game, we'd go out to dinner and we'd talk about different things. And, and he, he said something that just struck, struck me. He said he loved, he hated when he had to go against a backup player during the course of a game. And we asked him why. He said, because I've done my preparation all week with the, with the starter or who exactly is going to play this defensive line, either the nose or the three technique, whatever it may be. He said, but if that guy got hurt during the course of the, of the game, that I'm going to get somebody that really and truly I'm not overly prepared for, I'm not sure what his moves are, and he's going to be unorthodox. And he said, I would always play my worst if something like that happens. And so that's what I want to know. That's not factored in analytics. If something happens during the course of a game, you're struggling uh, here, or you have a little a right ankle that gets rolled up on in the first quarter, and you have to get it taped pretty good. You're not moving as well. You're not flexing or bending as well. I, I just I, I just think there's so much that goes into it.
0: Jake DeLomar, guest, DSP and Lafayette. We're going to take a quick timeout, come back, get some more uh, from Jake, his thoughts on this Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and uh, – and, excuse me, the Chiefs, the Bengals and the Rams. And then we will – I want to talk to Jake a little bit about the future of the NFC South. And, you know, he does color commentary for the Panthers and – What the NFC might look like, particularly if Aaron Rodgers heads to the AFC. Could be wide open, a lot of people feel. We'll dig into that when we come back after this. This is the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette. Don't go anywhere. Back into the Great Skat show, visiting with Jake Delone, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, Louisiana Cajun Hall of Famer. He is in the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor. He uh he told me, I guess we chatted last summer, that he did get a ring for winning a, a World League championship, but he didn't know where the ring went. Did you ever did you ever locate that ring, Jake?
1: Um no, obviously. <laughs> um I think my wife knows where it's at. I would assume, um <laughs> yeah, that's kind of awful on my part, but uh I would assume she she knows
0: where it's at do what do you even remember what it looked like, like world bowl champion?
1: oh, it looked like the uh big the the big west conference championships in essence that uh w- we were able to receive at uh u s l uh <laughs> back in the day, so um yeah, I kind of vaguely remember what it looked like, but to say I was uh, sporting it around town um, <laughs> was, uh, was, would probably be false.
0: ESPN Lafayette. Um, this, this upcoming Super Bowl, you know, we, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but I, I always do want to chat with you. I just love talking ball with you. Uh, Bengals, Rams, Rams favored. Um, I, I was talking to Brandon about this uh, earlier this week, Brandon Stokely, and to me it, it seems, Jake, that, like, if it's not a close game, you kind of feel like that's the Rams, right? Just in terms of their D-line, Cincinnati's problems on the O-line. Um, the Rams may be a little more top-heavy in terms of talent, but I don't think they have the depth that Cincinnati has. But if this is a close game late, I, I trust, you know, a 25-year-old in Burrow and Zach Taylor a little more than, than maybe McVay and Stafford. Just McVay, he seems to kind of get tight and nervous. Some of those challenges are concerning. Like, if it's... If it's close, I kind of lean Cincinnati, but and I hope it's a close game because we've been treated to just great football, um, you know, a divisional round and championship round, but if it's a lopsided game or, say, a double-digit game, it kind of feels Rams. What's your overall feel for this matchup, and who are you leaning toward?
1: Well, it, it's hard not to have that, to me, just like a, a, a pull for the Bengals uh, just because of, like, the true underdog role and and, you know, being in Cincinnati and then watching Joe Burrow do what he did at LSU and and watching the, the way they play, um, you know, but I'm like you. I just I, – I worry about Cincinnati holding out up front against that Rams defensive line from Leonard Floyd um, to Aaron Donald. I mean, I don't know if there's many more superlatives you can say, but also avon Miller who – has an extra week to rest. Yes, he's a little older, but he can still get after it. Um, so you just kind of wonder, will Burrow take a beating this game? But they just have that resolve about them that they just keep finding ways uh, to come back. So, um, And then can Cincinnati, can they cover those receivers? I mean, Cooper Cup is the, the number one receiver on the Rams team by, by a, a large margin, and what he does for that team Um, is just – it's almost invaluable what he does not only in the pass game but the run game, watching what they ask him to do blocking-wise and and things like that. And then Odell has come in, and and that's worked really well for them. Um, So, it's a – yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. I'm hoping it's close. Um, And if it is close, I think everybody feels that the Bengals are going to pull it out in the end just because of Joe Burrow. I I just – that's that's my belief. I think that's going to be the belief on the sidelines of the Rams
0: and the belief
1: on the sidelines of the Bengals is that, okay, we're in for it now, boys. This kid, he just doesn't – pressure doesn't bother him. And the Bengals' sidelines, they're just going to be waiting for Joe to, to to help him win.
0: You know, Burrow, he he gets the hell beat out of him in a day and age where quarterbacks are protected now more than ever. And that that's telling, you know. You played at a time, Jake, where they weren't as protected. And, uh, you know, and then guys before you even more so. I remember talking to Jim Everett, um, I guess, a year or two ago. I mean, he's, God bless him, he's on disability now. He played in sort of the two-step rule. He could get rid of the pass. Guys take two steps. They can knock the hell out of him. So maybe this question I'm about to ask you is a little different for you than it would be for Joe, but you referenced the season where you guys lost a lot of o lineman to injury. When you're playing in an offense and you know as a quarterback, like, I'm not going to have much time. Like, I'm not. I, the, we, we, can, we, we can pretend and we can pre- plan like I'm going to have all the time to make this play work, or we can strategize and come up with a game plan where I'm going to have to get the ball out quick. I'm going to have to make some things happen. Like, how much does it alter the game plan? How much does Cincinnati have to just be very specific in what they do offensively? And just honest with themselves that, you know what, we're probably not gonna have a lot of time. So how do we help Joe out here?
1: Well, you know, you help him out by trying to get your run game, your screen game going, uh getting some some quick passes and whatnot. And and Joe, I think, would have would probably say the same thing. The the nine sack game against Tennessee. One, Tennessee has a really good front. But two, I think there were a few times that in essence, it was Joe's fault. I think he held on to him where there were some, some opportunities to get the ball out quick, and he tried to hold on to it. And, listen, that falls on him. But then, again, when he, some of the big plays that are made is because he holds on to it a little bit longer because he just he, he believes in himself um, to make that big play. So it's a uh, it can make you question sometimes. I mean, a quarterback's worst nightmare is interior pressure, and we saw it in the Super Bowl. Um, last year, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he couldn't do anything uh, whatsoever. And then we watched Tom Brady and, and a, two of his losses to the Giants. They got home with four guys, and all they needed to do was rush four, and they could hit him and disrupt him, and it's just not fun. And, you know, it, the great quarterbacks, they become just pretty good when they get hit a lot. And the great quarterbacks, well, they kind of – they become average. Uh, When they get hit a lot, so it's just it's uh, it's not a recipe for uh, success
0: usually. He um, he's really just uh, the fact that no quarterback has ever won a national championship, a Heisman Trophy, and a Super Bowl, and he's got a chance to do it in like the span of twenty five months is is crazy. And then do it in Cincinnati, in a state where he you know he grew up. There's there's a lot of storylines there. You got an owner that. I was joking, Jake. I'm like, man, I'm sure uh, Mr. Brown probably wishes he could have just bust a team to L.A. to save a few bucks. You know, he's they don't have an indoor facility. And then you got Stan Cranky with the Rams. He married into the Walton family. He spends, you know, Lord knows how much to get out of St. Louis and get that stadium. Like, two very sort of a yin and a yang in this Super Bowl in a lot of ways. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I hope we're in for a good one this Sunday. I, um, you know, we, we just... That divisional round and the championship round was so great. I, I I hope the season doesn't end with a dud. I'm hoping for a good one. And kind of like you, just the the underdog Bengals. You know, I, w- some of the early Super Bowls I remember, just in my childhood, were Cincinnati and and San Francisco. And you mentioned the game where where Montana hit John Taylor late. The old hey, there's John Candy in the stands. I remember like the Bengals weren't my favorite team, but I was rooting for them in that game. There was a Adele champs and Opelousas that sold, you know, Super Bowl gear and all these kids at school at Park Vista and Opelousas were wearing Niners stuff and I was, you know, I was just a kid. I'm like, why you know, they always beat the hell out of the Saints. Like, why why were you, why are you wearing Niners gear, you know? So I remember buying this Bengal shirt and hoping they'd win. And, you know, lo and behold, it's it's taken a long time for them to get back there. But as we said earlier, you just never know. You know, both of these quarterbacks, both of these teams they might not be back for a really, really long time, so uh legacies, everything that's on the line there's just the drama of the Super Bowl man you just you can't beat it, especially when it's a close game
1: no that's just that's what makes it so great and you know, gosh, the way our playoffs have gone this year, you're just kind of anticipating it's going to be the same thing it's going to go down to the wire uh, at least that's what i'm maybe it's wishful thinking and that's what I'm hoping for but um and and the thing that I enjoy about it, really and truly, I don't want to say I could care less who wins, but there's really not a, a huge rooting interest. I have a the head trainer for the Rams, was a longtime trainer with us in Carolina, and still a dear, dear friend, Raymond Talley Jr. on that roster for yep. the Rams. And in Cincinnati, uh, you have Tyler Shelvin, who's right here uh, from Lafayette. I think, you know, watching Jamar Chase, uh, watching Joe Burrow play, um, it's, they're they're special. They're fun to watch and uh it's just kind of that under, underdog role or that uh team that nobody gave a thought to at the beginning of the season, um, to be in the Super Bowl. So it's a uh gosh, I hope it's close.
0: Not a lot of people gave the O three Panthers a shot to to get to the Super Bowl, certainly before the season. And even when you got to the playoffs and you're hosting the Cowboys and You guys uh, made it all the way, came really close. Jake DeLome has been our guest. Before I let you run, man, real quick, in general, just looking at the NFC South um, with Tom Brady now retiring and the thought, you know, I know the Packers say they're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. There is some belief that he may be leaving. You know, Brandon was saying, hey, he might come to the Broncos. They desperately need a quarterback. That's been out there. Like the NFC South and then the NFC as a whole, how open do you think it is going into next season?
1: Well, listen. Let's start with the big ones. Um, <laughs> Tom has retired, so right then and there, the, the the thought process of going to play against Tampa. The teams think, okay, we got a big chance now, and and they're going to lose some guys. They're still a talented roster, but they're going to lose some guys due to free agency and and things like that. So that's going to be a different football team, without a doubt. And then now you have a double whammy for the Saints. You have Sean Payton retiring, coupled with the fact that really and truly you don't know who the quarterback is for the Saints. You had the very, very talented roster the Saints had this past year. I just I thought it was a fantastic roster. Besides, you were missing a wide receiver. And then Jameis Winston, I wish I could have seen him play healthy. I thought – they were such a talented roster the Saints had, and, and they became a defensive football team, and um, obviously they, uh, they, they knew how to stop Tom Brady in Tampa. That's for certain. Atlanta, they're still a team that's in a major rebuild. And Matt Ryan, how much more does he have left? Um, that's the thing that you just kind of don't know um, what's going to happen there. And when, when Matt Rule got hired uh, just a little over two years ago in Carolina, I thought, man, this is the perfect storm. Um, we're we're in a rebuild mode. We start to build this team back up because in my mind, I always thought in a couple of years, Drew's not going to be there. Never did I think Sean would would only go another hung it up, and then you for certain you're thinking Tom can only go another year or two, whatever it may be. And Atlanta was going to teeter totter one way or the other, and it's like, gosh, he could hit it right at the right time, but really and truly. Carolina hasn't done that. They haven't found the quarterback, and they need to address the offensive line. And there's some pieces there. It's it's some pieces, but I think we've seen in these playoffs, you've got to have a competent quarterback to give yourself a chance. So this uh, it's wide open. I'm Dennis Allen. I kind of thought that was a, an easy hire, to be honest with you, um, just the way – he's kind of transformed that defense and um and listening to Sean Payton at his final press conference which I watched every minute of it he basically endorsed him and he endorsed that staff which is really a a very very strong uh staff in New Orleans but who knows how it will all shake out
0: it's uh it's NFC's open next year I know that's how the NFL likes it they like the idea that a a 4 and 12 team last year is in the Super Bowl this year so it's something about if every fan base feeling like, you know what, we got a shot. Give or take a few, you know, probably don't think they do, but never say never, man. It's a great game, and if you can find a quarterback in a steady one, then you got a chance. We've been visiting with former NFL quarterback, Rage quarterback, Jake DeLome, as we do each year during Super Bowl week. Jake, I appreciate you taking the time, man, sharing memories and breaking down uh, what's to come in this Super Bowl and beyond. It's always good catching up and... Um, you know, I I made sure that I gave Brandon grief about you know that time you threw that pick to Fred Weary in college, and Peyton Manning always makes fun of you. And Brandon, he just sat there and said, "I run." Well, there'd be no as usual, so I just had to I had to let you know before we run.
1: Well, there'd be no doubt that something like that would uh, come out of his mouth. You know, if you know, he just he, he's typical Brandon. He doesn't know where he came from. You know, grew up. Uh, uh, in Lafayette on the south side. And he's a little Denver. He's, he's big
0: time. And,
1: you know, he's, he's Peyton Manny's little chauffeur buddy. So, you know,
0: that's just. Oh, shoot. I think we just got uh, disconnected with Jake. But <clears throat> good stuff there. Messing with Brandon Stokely there at the end of it. But uh, always appreciate Jake taking the time. Good stuff.